Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good. Good to see you today. I'm glad you're here. Um, we're in a series called Transformed, and we are talking about the changes that we believe God desires to make in six different areas of our life. And so today, we are going to talk about what it means to transform physically. Now, I just want to give you a little heads up. This is not going to be a sermon about working out. Uh, I want to talk about a different issue today that directly affects our health. This week, during your connection groups, many of you are involved in connection groups. Uh, there's different content you're going to cover this week in connection group, and you're going to talk about some of those uh, issues of stewardship and what it really means to take care of your body for God's glory. But this morning, I want to talk to you about a spiritual issue that affects our health. In 2014, the Harvard School of Public Health conducted a survey of 2,500 people to get an idea of what the stress levels were like in the lives of Americans. How many of us have experienced stress before? Just a, okay, good, this message will apply to you. Uh, a survey of 2,500 people to get an idea of what America was stressed out about and how many Americans were stressed out. 49% reported that they had experienced a stressful event within the last year. The leading causes of stress were illness, death of a loved one, problems at work, life changes, family issues, and personal relationships. Of all the respondents, men said that their number one stressor was problems at work. For women, their number one problem was managing responsibilities, and then the close number two was finances. And a subset of people surveyed who reported they were currently experiencing, quote, a great deal of stress. Maybe that's you this morning. You're experiencing a great deal of stress. Were asked how stress was affecting their overall behavior and health. 70% of these people who said they were experiencing a great deal of stress, 70% said they were sleeping less than usual. How many of us have lost sleep because of stress? You know that feeling, you're laying in bed at night staring at the ceiling and you've counted all the sheep, you've counted as high as you could and, and you're wondering is it coffee, what is it, and your mind won't shut down because we know that when we're in stressful moments we tend to stay wide awake. 44% said they were eating less than usual. That never happens when I'm stressed out, just for the record. I never eat less than usual when I'm stressed. 43% said they were exercising less than usual because they're losing sleep and don't want to get up and work out, I'm guessing. 41%, this is interesting, said they were praying more than usual. That's interesting to me. 39% said they were eating more than usual. I am the 39%. And 33% said they were watching more television and playing more video games. And this is just kind of things that people do to cope with stress. The Mayo Clinic reports that when we get stressed, we are prone to headaches, muscle tension, chest pain, fatigue, decreased libido, stomach upset, and sleep problems. And we are also more anxious, restless, irritable, angry, depressed, and lack motivation. How many of us would agree that being stressed out is not good for us? Amen to that. Good. Stress directly affects your health. During this season of my life, uh, I've experienced a good bit of stress, uh, budgets and buildings, and of course, blood moons, to name a few. Um, my guess would be that there is stress in your life, too. 
And today I want to look at one of the most famous passages in all the Bible. It's a psalm that David wrote, Psalm 23. Your grandmother probably knit this on a pillow or it was uh, on a coffee mug that someone gave you for a Christmas gift you didn't really want. And you know Psalm 23, you've said it. Maybe you've even been stressed out before and you're reminding yourself of these words. Even if you're not a Bible person, you know Psalm 23 at least uh, by familiarity in some way. So David wrote Psalm 23. He was the most famous king in the history of Israel, other than, of course, Jesus. And David lived a life with his fair share of stress. David was anointed king of Israel when he was only a teenager. However, David didn't assume the throne until several years later. And in between David being anointed king and David assuming the throne, he was pursued by his deranged predecessor, King Saul. He had spears thrown at him, David had to hide in caves, and eventually had to move out of town. And Psalm 23 is David's song about how he deals with the realities of pain and stress and heartache in life, and it's an awesome just uh, song and, and poem to teach us how to defeat stress. I'll read it for us this morning. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. This is from the New Living Translation. Some of the words might be different than what you're, how you're used to hearing it. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence in this place. Move in the hearts of every person in this room. Speak through me this morning. Lord, you know that in this room there are probably many of us who are in seasons of stress. There is something in our life that is causing us to worry and to be anxious and to be fearful. Lord, I know there's things in my life that uh, can cause those things, and they're, they're still in my life. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd minister to us this morning. I pray that your word would guide us and comfort us and soothe us. And I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts and help us to see Jesus and find our rest in him alone. Help us, Lord to rest in you today. Amen. Amen. So a lot of you know my preaching style. I tend to be pretty direct and confrontational and challenging, and my goal isn't for you to leave every week feeling great. That's not my goal. My goal is not that when I preach that you would feel great. Honestly, I hope that if I'm preaching and I'm doing my job well, there will be weeks you walk out of this place feeling burdened, feeling challenged, feeling like, 
oh my goodness, I, I really, I, like, I, I need to really know if I'm serious about this Jesus thing. Uh, we talk directly about sin and repentance. But this morning, my heart is, and I think God's heart, is simply to encourage you. I simply want to uplift you today, encourage you, and challenge you to enjoy God. It is right and good to enjoy God. We sang about it this morning, our last song, that he is a good, good father and you are loved by him. I hope you leave here today knowing that you are loved by him deeply. So I want to talk to you today about how to defeat stress And uh, this is in pop psychology. I'm not a pop psychologist. I'm a pastor and a preacher. So we want to find out from the scriptures, biblically, what it means to defeat stress. Four things. The first is this. If you want to defeat, defeat stress, embrace the shepherd. Embrace the shepherd. David spent the early years of his life as a shepherd, tending his father's sheep. When he became king, he was considered the shepherd of Israel. But David had discovered that God was his perfect shepherd. God is the one who can completely care for his people and meet every need that he has. And this is what David means when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack for nothing. Let's be honest about why we're stressed out when we're stressed out. The reason that you're stressed is because there is a perceived lack in your life. There is some need that's not being met, and because you're not sure where the provision for that need will come from, that is what is causing you stress and worry and anxiety and fear because you're wondering what's going to happen because the need you have is going unmet. And what we often do when we're stressed out is instead of looking to God and finding rest in Him alone, we end up looking to other people and to other things to meet the needs that only God can meet. We get stressed and feel pressure because we have forgotten who God is and what God has said and what is in God's hand for us. David tells us that the first step to finding peace in the midst of stress is to make God your shepherd. Listen, I know that many of you have made Jesus your savior, but God may not be your shepherd You may not have entrusted your life into his care. You know you need salvation. You know you need forgiveness for your sin. But you don't ultimately embrace the fact that your soul needs to be shepherded by God. That God is your source of everything. Just like a sheep depends on the shepherd for all nourishment and all provision, David is saying he is like a sheep and God is the shepherd and I need him for everything. The reason that we get stressed is because we've lost sight of God. We've lost sight of God. How do we regain our focus on God? Worship. I would say that the greatest stress reliever is worship. Because when we worship, we are reminding our heart, our mind, and bodies who God is and what God is like. Even this morning as we were singing, and there were some things that I was kind of stressed out about. And, and you know, the first couple songs, you're just kind of getting used to it, and you're like, okay, and, and you're singing those songs, and you're just kind of getting used to being in God's presence. And then there's that moment that I hope that you enter into worship. Hopefully it comes soon and fast, but there's that moment where you enter into worship, and you realize that all the things of this world begin to phase, and all of who God is becomes front and center in your mind 
And when you worship, you need to remind your soul who God is. When you're stressed out, you don't need another cup of coffee. When you're stressed out, you don't need to binge on Netflix. Let's just be real. I mean, sometimes we do that, right? Like we get home from a stressful day at work and all we can think of is food and the couch, food and the couch. All I need to do is get food and to the couch. I need to watch my show and I need to forget about my problems. Maybe some of us turn to cigarettes. It's like, oh, I just need a smoke. And if I can just get a smoke, everything will be okay. And I'm really angry right now, but this nicotine will help me to settle. And maybe some of us just need chocolate. You're like, you know what? I am stressed out. It's a long day. Give me the whole carton of ice cream and a chocolate bar and I'm going to be just fine. I was talking with a friend recently and he was going through a stressful time and his friend said to him during his stressful time, maybe you just need to work out. Hey, listen, I'm all for working out. I worked out. I worked out this morning and you can't tell, but that's okay. Jesus saw it. And so, you know, the truth is, is that working out is great and I think it does help you manage stress, but worship changes your focus and perspective. Worship gets you through the hardest and most stressful times of life because it changes your focus from the problem to the problem solver. God deeply cares for you. Let's say that together. Let's just say together, God deeply cares for me on the count of three. Let's say it out loud. Let's say it like we mean it. We're not going to worry if other people hear us. They're going to be saying it too. On the count of three, let's just say together, God deeply cares for me. Let's just proclaim it this morning. Ready? One, two, three. God deeply cares for me. It's true. God deeply cares for you, and he knows exactly what you need when you need it. How do we know that God is like this? So many scriptures we could point to. I love Romans 8, verse 32. It says this about God. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You want to defeat stress in your life? Embrace the shepherd. The second thing you need to do is enjoy his rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. So let me just ask you this. Where do you find green pastures, quiet waters, and the right path all while your soul is being refreshed? The golf course. It is obvious that God's plan for stress reduction is golf. And next time someone you're married to asks if you can go out and play golf, they're just trying to be biblical because this is where stress is relieved and your soul is refreshed. No, that's not true. It's where a lot of us get angrier and more irritable because we're not good. In all seriousness, no, think about the peaceful setting that David is speaking about. God leads us to a place, a green pasture, where we can lay down. Naps are biblical. Amen. That's like an amen moment. Naps are biblical. How many of us just feel like our bodies need rest on Sunday afternoons? I mean, do you feel that? Does it just seem like it is a spiritual exercise to lay down on Sunday afternoon and just, and just kind of like let the peace of God wash over you? I know you have a lot of yard work to do. Try napping. It's good for your soul and your body. And I love this. It says that God makes us lay down. 
Now, this isn't like when your kids get out of bed and they're doing the jack-in-the-box thing. Like, if you have kids and they get out of bed, like, all the time, like, I might have a three-year-old right now who doesn't actually know how to stay in her bed, and it's like, I am going to make you lay down. That's not what this is like. The idea here is that God lets us lay down. He provides a space for us to lay down. I love this phrase that David says. He says about God, he refreshes my soul. It means that when we let God shepherd us and we rest, he restores our vitality, our vigor, and our strength. He renews us. God is the shepherd who leads his people into rest. All right, so I said I wasn't going to really challenge you super hard today, but I am just for a moment, okay? Like just for this moment, I just want to ask a couple questions that I've been thinking about lately. When did it become a badge of honor to be so busy you didn't have time for worship, rest, and renewal? When did it become normal for families to be so busy that they don't have time to eat, worship, pray, and play together? When did it become impressive to work 80 hours a week? God thinks rest is so important in your life, in my life, that he said to the children of Israel, here are my top ten rules, and number four is take a day off. Take a day where you realize that the world can revolve without your help. Take a day to rest in my goodness, in my provision. Take a day to say that, you know what, God, I trust you to take care of things, and I am going to lay down, and I am going to just enjoy being a human being instead of a human doing. Some of us are stressed out because we aren't living at a sustainable pace. God wants to give you rest. He wants to show you the right path for your life so that he gets the most glory from your life. It is not a spiritual thing to burn out. How do you know you're going too fast? There's no white space in your calendar. Every moment of every day is planned and you have somewhere to be and you have like 10 minutes to eat every meal. How do you know you're going too fast? There isn't time for God in your daily routine whether it's in the morning or at lunch or in the evening before you go to bed, like whenever it is, there's just no space for God. How do you know you're going too fast? You've stopped appreciating the beauty in your life. You've stopped appreciating the beauty in your life. I had this reminder this week about the beauty in my life. I was driving out to Shady Maple because I'm trying to get fatter. And I was driving out to Shady Maple and we were going with some friends and I love Shady Maple and when you get there, it's just like, oh my goodness, I'm overwhelmed. I need to eat everything, try everything. And Lord, please forgive me when I'm done with that. And, and we're driving out to Shady Maple and I'm with my wife and I'm with um, uh, a couple of my children and I'm, I'm with Emma, who's Lori and Brandon Shower's little girl. And Lori says to Emma, she says, Emma, why don't you sing Jesus Loves Me for Uncle Joe and Aunt Cheryl? And Emma just starts singing Jesus Loves Me. And like I had been thinking about some things that day, and Emma just starts belting out Jesus Loves Me. And I look in the back seat, and she has this enormous smile on her face singing Jesus Loves Me. And then when she was done with that, she started singing I Love You, Lord. And that's one of my favorite songs. And I just remember thinking in that moment this thought, God, I can't believe how good you are. I can't believe you put so much beauty into my life. 
And when we're going too fast, we miss the beauty that God has put around us. We miss the people that God has put around us. We miss his creation that he's surrounded us with. And listen, I know it's not beautiful to drive down 422 tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. I know that's not the beautiful moment of your life. But that's why you need rest. That's why rest needs to be a part of your rhythm. It is not a holy thing to never slow down, sit down, and enjoy the Lord. That's not, doesn't make you a great person to never stop and be still and just enjoy being alive. How do you know you're going too fast? You didn't have any meals as a family this week. How do you know you're going too fast? You're irritable. Some of you are so stressed out that people in your home are scared of you because all of the stress that you feel is coming out on them and your anger is changing the atmosphere of your home because you have so much stress in other areas of your life. And here's what I would say to you this morning in love. God wants to give you rest from that. How do you know you're going too fast? Your spouse is ticked you're not home enough. That's a personal issue that husbands and wives in this place need to talk about. That if, that if husband and wife are always going different directions, when is the family resting together? When is the family bonding together? When is the marriage going deeper? When are you having eyeball-to-eyeball conversations that aren't about the kids or about work, but just about what's going on in your heart? Do you know what the Bible calls people who don't work? Do you know the word the Bible uses for people who don't work? Lazy. Lazy. Do you know the word the Bible uses for people who don't rest? Disobedient. Disobedient. Rest is not an optional thing. But when you submit your life to the shepherd, you can defeat stress by resting week in and week out, taking a day saying, this is when I say God is on the throne and I prove it by not trying to accomplish anything, but just enjoying him. Here's a third thing. How do you defeat stress? Endure the darkness. Endure the darkness. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, or maybe you've heard it as the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love how real David is here. Though God, our shepherd, gives us rest and renewal, there are a lot of moments in life when there are no green pastures or quiet waters. David is saying there are times when he is walking through the valley and it is so dark, it's as dark as death. How many of us have been in places like that? That we have been in such pain and suffering, maybe not in our bodies, but the circumstances of our life are so intense and it is so dark and we cannot see the light and we just feel like things are as dark as death and maybe you've even wished that you were dead. David says that there are moments in his life when he knows he is walking through the darkest valley. Something we need to be honest about as people who have given our lives to Jesus Christ is that we will find ourselves walking through dark valleys. There's nothing wrong with your faith if you're in suffering and pain. It was real for David and it is real for you and I. Unemployment, infertility, divorce, miscarriages, betrayal, being misunderstood, disappointment, crushing debt, 
cancer, death of a loved one, a prodigal child, being overlooked for a promotion, an unmet longing for a spouse, caring for aging parents, and for some of us just that overall sense that we thought life would turn out differently. This is darkness. This is real. But when we are in the valley, I think for many of us, we end up letting the valley experience define our lives and overwhelm us. We wallow in the valley, gripped by fear, doubt, or self-pity. And what does David say when he is walking through darkness? He says, I will fear no evil. And that word evil means danger, harm, or injury. David is being honest about the fact that the valley is real, but he is also boldly choosing his response. He is not going to live in fear. The reason you're stressed is because you're afraid. You're afraid a need will go unmet. And David is saying when he is in the crisis, pressure cooker, stressful moment of life, walking through the dark valleys, he knows that he has nothing to be afraid of. Why? Because God is present. When life is hard, God is with you. And not only is God with you, he is there to protect you and to lead you through the valley. I love what David says. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What does that mean, your rod and your staff, they comfort me? Shepherds carried two tools. They had a rod in one hand and a staff in the other hand. And a rod was a short stick that they would use, kind of like a club, to beat away predators. Wolves who would come and try to attack the sheep. The shepherd would beat them away with his rod. And then a shepherd would have his staff, which served as his walking stick. But on the edge of the staff, maybe you've seen pictures, there's that crook on the edge of the staff. And the shepherd would use that crook to kind of gently put it around the sheep's neck and kind of pull it back into the herd. Because God is not only protecting the sheep from predators, God is also making sure the sheep don't wander. He is leading them. And David is saying when he is in the darkest and most painful places in his life, he knows that God has not abandoned him. He knows that God has not given up on him. And he knows that God is going to watch over him even when he can't see the light. Fear is our natural response to darkness. Faith is a supernatural response. Because David fears God, he doesn't need to fear anything else. Let me say that again. That was good. Preaching right there. Because David fears God, he doesn't need to fear anything else. When God is your shepherd and you know he has a rod in one hand and a staff in the other and you can't see but you know he sees all things because he sees the beginning from the end and you know you're following him through the darkness, there is nothing to be afraid of. And you're like, Joe, that is so easy to say and so hard to do. I know. I know. That's why a life of continual worship reminds your heart of who God is. That's why you need to rest. That's why you need to Know the character of God in the midst of the valley. God is your security guard through darkness. Here's the last thing that David says, how to defeat stress. Expect his welcome. You prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So David is kind of describing who God is here, but he's using a different metaphor. So up until this point, we know that David has been talking about God as our shepherd, and now David is talking about God as our host. If you've read the Psalms, you're very aware that David often mentions his enemies. David had a lot of enemies. I don't know how that dude had so many enemies, but he had a lot of enemies. And he prayed things about his enemies like, God, would you dash their babies against the rocks? I don't know about you, I don't have any feelings towards enemies where I'm praying that prayer over their lives. But David knows what it's like to have enemies. And some of you know what it's like to have enemies. People have mistreated you, hurt you, maligned you, and said things about you that were false. Some of you, you can think of your enemy right now, and they are still your enemy, and you know exactly how they've hurt you, and they, you know exactly what they did to you. And this, they might be a 20-year-old enemy or, or a, or a two-day-year-old enemy, but you and I were aware of our enemies they kind of hold an ever-present place in our mind. People who have, who have stabbed you in the back. People who have said things about you that aren't true. You know them. Now let me just be very clear. If you made enemies by mistreating others, this text isn't about you. You need to go and apologize and make things right and seek reconciliation. Sometimes I think we kind of put our lives into the text and say, oh, yes, God, that person is my enemy. And I think that we need to be painfully honest and say, but yes, are they their enemy because you're totally guiltless? Or are they your enemy because you hurt them and then they hurt you? Or they hurt you and then you hurt them? But some of us have enemies and we have done nothing to deserve it. David sets the scene for us then. He describes himself as a dinner guest at God's house. God has set a banquet table for David to sit and dine at, and then God has poured oil on David's head. And you're like, I don't want anyone to do that when I go to their house. I know, but in, in, in David's day, this is what you wanted your host to do. You wanted them to anoint your head with oil and kind of rub olive oil into your hair. It was a sign of welcome. It was a sign of hospitality. And then David says, my cup overflows. Now, it's not overflowing with oil. It's overflowing probably with wine, and the idea is, is that God as the host has so generously welcomed David that God has poured wine into David's cup and it is overflowing, a sign of lavish generosity. And David says, you know, I don't need to be afraid of my enemies because when my enemies are present, God throws a party for me. God says, David, I have your table right here. And your enemies can watch you eat because I have your back. Because I know exactly how you've been hurt, exactly how you've been misrepresented, and I've got your back. When you try to get even with someone who has criticized you, all you do is lower yourself to their level. Little people belittle people. But when you choose not to escalate conflict, and keep the drama going, and simply stay silent and rest in God's care. we got to talk about that. Some of you are terrible at staying silent. You always have to have the last word. Don't raise your hand, but you know who you are. 
You know you always have to get the last word in. You know you always have to justify yourself. You always need to make sure somebody knows how wrong they were and how right you are. You actually perpetuate drama with your words. And David is saying, hey, listen, when God's your shepherd and he has your back, you don't need to do that anymore. You can just entrust your life to the Lord because he's got it. You don't need to justify yourself to other people. You don't need to prove that you're right and they're wrong. See, when you, when you realize that God has your back, you go from a place of stress to a place of blessing. When you're personally attacked, you are most like Jesus when you remain silent. Look at verse 6. David says this to close. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the ultimate way to defeat stress. So much of your stress and so much of my stress is attached to the what-ifs. What if I don't have enough money? What if I never get married? What if I get sick? What if I can't find a job? What if people don't like me? What if everything goes wrong? What if the Eagles never win the Super Bowl? I mean, you should be stressed out about that. Here's the thing about what ifs. They are rooted in uncertainty. The reason you are asking so many what if questions about your life is because you're having a hard time dealing with the uncertainty. And so what David does is tells us what he is absolutely certain about. He is certain that the goodness and the love of God will accompany him every day of his life until he is home enjoying eternal life with God. David's response to stress, catch this. If you don't remember anything else I say today, remember this sentence. David's response to stress is to stake his life in the character of God. God loves David and David knows it. God is good to David and David believes it. Whether it's green pastures or dark valleys, the steadfast, unbreakable, unconditional, unrelenting love of God is His. The reason underneath all the reasons you are stressed, fearful, and anxious, the ultimate reason is that you aren't seeing God for who He really is. You don't actually believe that His love and goodness is following you, chasing you down, through every moment of your life. One of the marks of spiritual maturity is the quiet confidence that God is in control without the need to understand why He does what He does. Spiritually mature people can look into the darkness and say, hey, listen, my God, He's got a rod and a staff. My God loves me and he's good to me. I don't know what he's doing here. I don't know what is at the end of this darkness, but I do know that he's good. And I do know that he loves me. Even if I don't understand why it's dark. God is for you. God is with you. God deeply loves you. And David says that there's a day coming when he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, not only do you expect God's welcome in the midst 
of darkness. You know the day will come when God will welcome you home if you follow Jesus Christ. And listen, rooting your life in the hope of heaven, knowing that one day all sadness will be turned to joy, every tear will be wiped away, allows you to look into the dark and say, this stinks, but there is a better day coming. See, we serve a God who makes all things new. And even though it's dark in your life right now, and even though things may not be better tomorrow, someday we'll be in God's house dwelling forever. And the pain of the darkness will become a distant memory. And the joy of being home will never leave us. I want to close with these words from the Apostle Peter. I think they're so fitting for this message. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. I'll read these slowly. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And I love this last phrase, verse 25. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Have you turned to your shepherd today? Have you turned to him? Have you surrendered your life to his care? Listen, stress will come. The question is not whether you're going to be stressed out again. The question is, how are you going to respond to the fear, the anxiety, and the stress in the moment? Who are you going to turn to? You're going to call your mama? You're going to complain on Facebook? You're going to get even with somebody? Are you going to go tell off your boss? Are you going to gossip about someone behind their back to relieve stress? Or are you going to surrender to the shepherd? Are you going to remember that once you were like a sheep wandering away and the love and the goodness of God chase you down and your life belongs to him and so even though life is hard and your circumstances are real, you can look into the dark and say, God's got my back. Three questions this morning. Number one, is God your shepherd? Is God your shepherd? For those of you who've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, this morning is an awesome day to do it. You invite him to come in. You turn from your sin and you say, God, 
I put my faith in Jesus this morning. I am like a sheep wandering away, and I need you to be my shepherd. I need Jesus to be my Savior. I need you, God, to be my guardian over my soul. I want to follow you, Jesus. And not just for salvation, for those of us who know Jesus, but God is in our shepherd. We're not letting him shepherd us. We're just freaking out all the time. You're a terrible advertisement for Christianity because you're just always stressed and fearful and nervous about every possible what-if scenario. And God is saying to you this morning, relax and enjoy my leadership in your life. Trust me with every detail. Second question, do you need to rest? Do you need to rest? Do you need to rest? Do you need to slow down? Do you need to slow down? That's a question you might want to ask with other people in your life. And the last question is God's character, your source of peace. Are you putting and looking for peace in the right places or are you looking for temporary peace? A change of schedule, a change of jobs, getting somebody out of your life? Are you turning to food and entertainment or maybe drugs and alcohol because you're stressed out? Or is your source of peace the character of God that he will never, ever stop loving you and being good to you? Where are you at today? Let's just take a moment here and just kind of wait before the Lord. Every one of us of our Heads could bow and we can just kind of ask the Lord what he wants to say to us this morning in this message. What was for us? Maybe he's whispering the word shepherd to you this morning. He wants to be your shepherd. Maybe he's saying the word rest to you this morning. Maybe he's saying the word trust me. I just want to pray that God would speak to you this morning. And that you wouldn't just hear a sermon and leave, but you would really ask God, God, what are you saying to me? Let's just take a moment and do that. Just ask him. Ask God. Say, God, what are you saying to me this morning? Now just ask the Lord this question. Just ask the Lord, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do about it?
sometimes we feel uncomfortable in God's presence because we realize that we spend so much time kind of running from moments like this because we don't want to slow down and really listen because we're afraid of what we might find or really discover about ourselves. And I think the Lord is just saying to us this morning, I want to give you peace. You don't have to run from me. I want to shepherd you. Lord, I pray that you would teach us just to be comfortable in your presence. Lord, that we would slow down to have quiet moments before you. God, longer than a couple minutes too. Lord, I pray that we would be the kind of people who aren't always going and never stopping long enough to listen to what you're saying to us in your word, through your spirit, through other people. God, I pray that you would help us to be a people at peace. Lord, we will be a people who have problems. But Lord, we can still, in the midst of our problems, be a people of peace. God, I pray that you would shepherd this church. I pray you would shepherd us as a people. I pray that you would lead us to green pastures and quiet waters. I pray that you would lead us along right paths for your glory. And Lord, I pray for people this morning who are walking through dark valleys. I pray that you would cast all the fear out of their life through your love. Lord, your word says, perfect love casts out fear. Lord, I pray that you'd go to war against the fear in our hearts today. God, may we walk out of this place full of hope, full of perspective, and full of the truth that you love us and that you're good to us and that you have not abandoned us. And even though there are stressful things in our life, we don't have to be stressed out. These our lives belong to the great shepherd and overseer of our souls, Jesus Christ. Help us to live out that peace this week. In your name I pray, amen, amen, amen.